Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I just want to give a, a word, uh, at least one, just give one for now for you. The Lord wants to remind you of some things, if I, if I may. Never forget that we're in a spiritual battle. And the things that you're walking through now are in preparation for that which is just ahead. And as you give yourself to that preparation, as you and your husband give yourself to that preparation, understand and know that nothing goes without him seeing it all. And he's working all things together for the good for you and for him, your beautiful family. I have orchestrated things to bring even an end to your own understanding and complete reliance on the complete reliance on my word, my presence, my leading. I'm unraveling some things and bringing healing and understanding, uh, especially in your husband. And he might be here tonight. I don't, I don't know. But, but this, this word, especially for him, I'm going to connect what is not connected, and I'm going to bring healing. I'm in absolute control of everything that's taking place. But you are in a battle. Don't get frustrated. Don't get irritated. Don't get in the flesh. Simply die. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Lord would say, if you make me your goal, you will never miss your destiny. That is what's in the balance. You could go around the mountain if you want to. The enemy wants you to go around the mountain. He can't do anything about you being saved, can't do anything about you loving God the way you do. But if we get in our soul that which is not of God, then the healing doesn't take place. And the destiny is delayed. It's enough delay, says the Lord. It's enough delay. You're going to move on in as you come into agreement. And as I connect the dots, as I bring healing. Your internal reality is creating your external circumstances. Who is he that even the wind and the waves obey him? to receive encouragement, peace, joy, hope, strength, fire, power. Says the Lord, good work. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. Get your messages ready. become like a, well, the scripture says another man, but I mean, you're going to become like another woman. A power comes on you. Some might not understand what I'm about to say, but there's moments, there's moments in, in ministry, in the kingdom, I should say it that way, because it's, it's all ministry. Everybody say that. It's all, it's all ministry. So whether you're full-time ministry on a staff at a church, you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're a business person, it's all ministry. You're a plumber, an electrician. There's moments that come in God 
his power, his power comes and he puts you on. It's like he, it's like, it's like a hand in a glove. It's this unseen hand, if you will. That's what it's going to be like when you preach. Because I, I'm, I've rolled away the reproach and I've brought you to a place of identity where you, you really, you're, you're grown up. You got to the place where you just, I mean, you know, graciously, you know, don't really care about what people think. You're not in it for a popularity contest. You're, you're not in it for the accolades of man. You didn't come for the robe. You didn't come for the ring. It's all gotten very clear. God's hands on you, daughter. God's hands on you. bring you the key person you need to take those next steps. And as you let go of some of the reins into a trustworthy, fruitful, loyal person, I'm going to say that again. I'm bringing you the person, I'm bringing you the team you need. And as you let go of the reins into a trustworthy, loyal, fruitful person, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to bring you a team. I see a couple coming to you. And as you release the reins into the hands of a trustworthy, loyal, fruitful person, you will see a release of creativity through you and an explosion of innovative ideas. So many ideas. People will actually come to you and you'll be like a sage in your years to come. It's the Lord tarries. You'll be filled with wisdom. A gift of wisdom I have given you. And that wisdom, even from your own mouth, I need wisdom, not the wisdom of the earth. I need the wisdom of heaven. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you'll ask, I'll give it to you liberally. A liberal release of wisdom. It's the only thing that I like that is liberal. A liberal release It's the only thing you like to. Release the team. Release the team. See the vision come to pass. Write the vision down. Make it plain. The overall vision, the family vision. Write it down. Make it plain. Those that are partnered with you need to endorse and be, be have full buy-in. Whether, whether they're family or not family. They need to have full buy-in the vision. What is the vision? What is it? Because it's multi-generational. I'm making you like an Abraham. You're not going to be moved by fear. You're going to be moved by faith. I'm going to release the team. You're going to let go of some of the reins of the things that are burdening you and your wife, and you're going to move into a time of creativity, a time of incredible creativity. You'll have dreams. You'll have ideas. You'll pass the ideas onto the team. The team will make it happen. And then you'll move on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And the sky's the limit, and you're going to do it with carefree 
joy. Your, your shoulders are not broad enough to handle what I'm going to give you. But mine are. I've chosen you and I've selected you and I've appointed you to bear forth fruit and fruit that will remain. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Yoke, a custom fit, custom designed yoke from the Lord for you. Fits perfectly for you. You will see fulfillment of vision even into the next generation. Says the Lord. sound person get our worship leader a microphone while I walk around just for a moment. Thank you, Minister Mike. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank him right out loud. The wonderful presence of the Lord. The wonderful presence of the Lord is here. Great word. Amen. Do you encourage? Do you get encouraged? Do you get encouraged? I already knew that. I know that's what prophecy, that's what prophecy does. It encourages strength. It confirms. That's what prophetic words do. I've got a great word to preach to you. And uh, we'll get to it, I think. It's only 7.56. And uh, there's nothing on Netflix that isn't going to be there later. Lift your hands to heaven. Brother Toby, would you just sing? Something that's not been written by anybody else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. In spite of everything, we worship you. Through all our circumstances, we worship you. Hey. In everything we bring, we worship you. <laughs> Lord, we worship you. Thanking you for all you've done, we worship you. From being in our lives, we worship you. In everything we do, we worship you.
as man, but thou art mindful of the Son of Man. When I consider the moon and the stars which you have set in place, the works of your fingers, man, this man, you've crowned him with glory and honor, and you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. God, we love you. Your amazing wisdom, your amazing plan. Forgive us at times when we're nearsighted. I pray and ask, God, as, as I unfold your word tonight, that you would mark us, that you would transform us, that you would do something tonight in the hearts of men, women, children, youth. You do something tonight in our lives that would change us. We declare that you're worthy. We declare that you're glorious and majestic and powerful. Come on, sing one more time. Come on, prepare your heart for the word. You alone are worthy. Chapter 9, verse 28. Appreciate you. New King James Version. Greetings to all those online. Greetings to those in 1610 AM out in the parking lot. Would you all, if you're able to, stand up on your feet in honor of God's word. Luke 9, verse 28 to 36. Now it came to pass about eight days after these things that he took Peter John and James and went up to a mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease and pardon me, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And then it happened when they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Verse 34. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful 
as they entered the cloud. I bet. Verse 35. And the voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet. and They told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Father, come and mess us up tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you. What a joy it is to preach all over the world online and to look at this text of Scripture. What a joy it is to see basically a full house on a Wednesday night, 80 degrees in Alaska, where you could be, um, you could be on your... Your, your wheeler or your razor or doing something other than sitting in these plush chairs hearing the word of God. I, something just changed, a little hissing, something or other, if you could help me out. Thank you so much. I appreciate all that. There's so many people that work behind the scenes that, that make doing what we all do here possible, and I commend each and every one of you. Thank you so much. People serving in the back, people doing sound. Our worship team gets here hours early, especially on Sunday and Wednesday, and we really, come on, you can do a little bit better than that. We appreciate you. Really, we do. We're part of an incredible team, and we're very, very grateful. It's good to have the Dukes back from, uh, from evangelizing and from Florida. We love you guys. Welcome home. And uh, good to have the Haggertys back as well, who've been on vacation. Welcome back. This text is uh, so profound, and it's pregnant with revelation to me, and it is my sincere hope that I would be able to unfold it and that you'd be changed because of it. We do have notes uh, for you, and I think we've passed those out. I've entitled, Behold His Glory. Behold His Glory. I tried to give it some cute name, but I just couldn't do it. Who is Jesus really? I mean, let me ask you that question. Who, who do you think Jesus is? It was just prior to this that, that Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? I remember years ago, and I mean like 16, 17 years ago, Pastor Vince and I having a conversation about that. And uh, I don't know, we were somewhere in the Hawaiian Islands, and he just went off on a rant about who Jesus was, and, uh, and the power of God just touched us as he preached like only Pastor Vince could preach, and uh, so encouraging to me. Who do you say he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? This passage, it's like the curtains pulled back, and you get to see who Jesus is clearly. Certainly the disciples here. This is called the transfiguration. He was transfigured before them. Certainly the transfiguration, this text, changed their lives. And we see that in their, their writings. We see that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you there here shortly. This is about a week after Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. Who do you say that I am? And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Saying to the disciples, and Jesus, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, what? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven, which is a picture of wisdom that comes from the earth and wisdom that comes from heaven. Flesh and blood wisdom can't release, reveal anything. You, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
but God by his spirit can speak and intervene and he can give you wisdom and understanding. And so God gave Peter understanding that Jesus is, is not just, you know, Jesus is a pretty common name back in that day. He's not just some common guy, but he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And Jesus said, flesh and blood is not given this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter, thinking he had that later on, had that special anointing from the Father, tries to stop him from going to the cross. And then Pastor Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. You think your pastor's offended. You imagine that. So it's about a week after Peter's confession and Jesus uh, being the Christ. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to what? To pray. Everybody say to pray. Now, if you want revelation in your business, you want revelation in your marriage, want revelation in what you're doing, you have got to carve out some time to pray. That, that I don't know, you know, we use these expressions like, well, all we can do now is pray. What do you mean all you can do now is pray? That should be the first thing you're doing. It's the most powerful thing to do is to pray. And so they go up and they pray, and, and that's when this transfiguration comes. If you're yearning for revelation, you're yearning for breakthrough, you've got to be a person of prayer. So it's not surprising that Jesus goes up on the mountain. He brings his inner circle. You know, some of you don't have an inner circle, but you need one. There's 12 disciples. Not everyone goes up on the mountain. Peter, James, and John, faith, hope, and love. Peter, James, and John go up on the mountain, but it wasn't, it wasn't everybody. Some of you got everybody with you. Some of you need to cut off some folks. How many of you know my wife hears things that you never will? She holds the deep secrets of my heart. Not that they're sinful or anything like that. It's just I'm complete transparency. It's my wife. Amen. My better half. Absolutely true. Not everybody should be like Peter, James, and John to you, but you certainly need a Peter, James, and John. Can you say amen? They're up on this mountain. They're praying. And suddenly... Jesus' face begins to shine and his clothes become white. The text says, verse 29, as they prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. What does that mean? That means it changed. And his robe became white and glistening. White and what? Glistening. And you can read this in many other versions Let's say it just a little bit differently. I think there's 26 different versions of the Bible. You study this out, you see that he was completely changed, completely transformed, white and glistening. And standing there next to Jesus is Moses. Now Moses represented the law. And then there's Elijah who represented the prophets. Moses Moses was God's chosen instrument to be the deliverer of God's people out of Egypt. I know many of you know that, but some of you might not. God selected him. He's the one that saw the burning bush, you know, that, that burning bush. He drew aside because of the burning bush, and he, God spoke to him there, and he called him in his weakness, and he tried to get out of it. He tried to get out of it. He looked for help, and God, God basically yielded and gave him Aaron, and Aaron caused him some problems. And so he, he goes and he's the deliverer 
of the children of Israel by the prophetic word that's going to come after 400 years. He said to Abraham, I'm going to bring them out with great riches. And so Moses was the leader at that time. Moses was the guy that went up on the mountain and, and got the, the Ten Commandments. He was the guy that got the tablets, the Ten Commandments written by the fairy finger of God. Moses was the most humble man, Scripture says. And so Moses is standing there. You kind of wonder why, how did they know it was Moses? I mean, how do you know it was, you know, is that Mo? Yeah. <laughs> now, I think, I think maybe it's an, an operation of the, the word of knowledge, or maybe, maybe they got to listen to the conversation. Right? So he's talking to Elijah, and God's there. And Elijah's like, hey, Moses, it's quite a thing to be back on the mountain. Hey, how about that? Huh? This is quite a time we're in, Romans, all those things. Man, wow. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey. And maybe, maybe they heard the conversation. That burning bush, that was really a bush. All the thing, it burned. And as it was burning, it was not consumed. I know, I know, I know, I know. You told me like a million times, I know. I mean, I don't know how they know. How do they know it's Moses and Elijah? And maybe they just, you know, when you're having a dream and you know, like you see the back of someone's head and you just, oh, I just know that's that person. I think maybe it's something like that. But I mean, we don't know for sure. And they're talking with Jesus about his death and resurrection. That's what they're talking to Jesus about. Can you imagine? Can you imagine be like, wake up from your camping trip. Whoa, snap. What's going on? Oh, whoa. And, and they're hearing about Jesus' death and resurrection. I mean, it had to be quite a camping trip. Verse 32, look with me. They see his glory. They what? They, they see his glory. When Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep when they were fully awake. When they were what? When they were fully awake. So in other words, they wake up. I mean, you wake up. I, so much happens to me when I first wake up. I, have, I see things. It's a great time of connection with me and the Lord. I see things. He talks to me. And I try. I've learned to hover in that place. I've learned to just... You know, when I take a nap, I had an amazing nap today. It was just glorious. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, when I woke up, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I become aware that I'm waking up, and then I stop. No, I'm just going to give you a key. This is what works for me. I stop. I'm like, hey, Lord. He's like, yeah, what's up? And he starts, starts talking to me, showing me things. I start seeing things. I start seeing answer to prayer. I start, he just shows me, oh, this, this. Here's what you can preach on. You can do this. Change this about that. Don't forget to call this person. There's this flow. Or sometimes it's just God's presence, and I'm there, and, and it's just like, oh, son, I love you. Like, oh, I love you, too, Dad. You're awesome, God. Yeah. And then he shows me some more stuff. And so when they're fully awake, that means they've rubbed the sleep out of their eyes, and they're like, fully awake. They see his glory. I am telling you this prophetically, that God is waking up our country. And when our country is fully awake, in fact, until you're fully awake, that means away from the slumber of the flesh, away from the slumber of the world, away from the slumber of mammon, away from the slumber of lust, away from the slumber of the things that you're clamoring for. When you're fully awake, then you will experience God's power and glory in a way that, that, that actually makes you truly awake for the first time. I think it's probably how I should say it. And so they see, they see his glory when they're fully awake. 
And Peter, Peter speaks, which he reminds me of myself and some of you. He just, I mean, like seriously, he speaks. He, he doesn't even know what he's saying. He's like, hey, what's up? Uh, listen, I've got a couple pop-up tents. We can get together. And it's just like, this is really awesome because like, the, we, I'll be like the gatekeeper and then we can set up some tents and like Moses, Mo, Pastor Mo, what's up? It's so good to see you. You, you can be here, Elijah, and, and we can all be here and then like the whole world can come to the mountain and it'd be like Mount Transfiguration Park. And then we can, you know, charge people when they come in. And I mean, I don't know what he's thinking, but it's like insane what he says. It just seems like, Seriously? You know, something I've said to my daughter as well as to my son, and my wife's heard it. Um, you can tell a lot from someone when they come into the presence of God. How someone responds in the presence of the Holy Spirit indicates a lot. And so they know that when the, uh, the, the suitors come, that we'll be having church, that we'll go to church, we will worship. Minister Mike or Brother Toby, whoever's leading worship that day, we'll let the power of God come, and I'll be like... <laughs> and if it's, a, if it's a, a fidgeting and trouble, then we got trouble. Not real trouble, you understand, but you can tell a lot. If somebody's uncomfortable in the presence of the Lord, it might be that they've not been in the presence of the Lord before, or maybe they're hiding something. Now, we know Peter had issues because he manifested those later. <laughs> he had issues of pride. He had all kinds of issues. So this cloud comes. Um, Peter speaks, and it's like the father's like, oh, good night. Jesus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And, and it's like this cloud comes. I mean, look at this. Look at verse 34. While he was saying this. So while he's speaking, while, while he's like, this is really good for us to be here. We can make some tents and we can. And while he's speaking, I mean, give me Jesus like, oh, shut up. You know, he, he doesn't do that. But verse 34, while he's saying this, a cloud come, came and overshadowed them. And they were fearful. We read right through that, like, and they were they were fearful, and they were and as they entered the cloud. Can you imagine? No, that's not like that's not like you know a, a cloud, a normal cloud. It's the glory cloud. It's the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God. And I can't. I, I just think they had it fearful. It just says they were fearful. It's not like a little nervous, like some of you are right now. Straight fear, gripped and terrified as this cloud. You know, the glory of God will, well, it'll scare the hell out of you. How many of you know if you got any hell in you, it'd be probably good to get rid of it? God comes and he speaks to them. And this is reflected in Matthew as well as in Luke, which we just read, uh, and Mark. But, but it's, it's reflected in the clearest way, I believe, if you study this in Matthew chapter 17, 
verse 5. And I want you to go there for a moment because Luke seems to couple everything together with the, the word chosen in the Greek. It's a little bit different than Matthew. Matthew tells it's the same story. We get a composite picture, Matthew 17, 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, I mean, what does that mean? A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. It's, it's profound. It's a picture of the Trinity. Again, Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. What a moment. What an incredible moment. I mean, why is this even in Scripture? And what many don't realize is that what took place on the Mount Transfiguration so deeply affected John that he wrote about it in John chapter 1. And we're going to go there in just a moment. In fact, I put the Scripture in your notes. And it so deeply affected Peter that Peter wrote about it too. And in fact, when we were reading this, I want you to look here. Verse. But they kept quiet. This is the final verse that I read, verse 36, and told no one in those days. They told no one in those days, but in the days later, they told people. In those days, they were so freaked out. I don't know if you've ever experienced God's power like that before, but he intends for you to. If you'd put your phone up right now, you might experience a measure of that. You can, you know, double tap later on. So many people are distracted. I know you're a great multitasker. But there's times where you should not multitask, and this could very possibly be one of them. When they're in the upper room, believe me, they're not multitasking. They thought they were going to get crucified just like Jesus. They were cried out. They had a, a violent unity, a, a one accord. They're not thinking about their burnt toast or the chicken they're going to eat after dinner or what's on for Netflix. They're not hoping that Pastor Daniel doesn't go to 9.30 again. I hope it doesn't go to 9.30 again. My God, that last service really long. My mama made me come out just because they come back. Oh, my God. And that's not, what they're, that's not what's going on. They're like, oh, God. Listen, if we could get a hold of the desperate hour that we're in in our nation, we would become fully awake and the power of God would hit our country. If the church would wake up in this hour, and I believe that it's I believe that's happening here. I believe that we're really in the midst of an outpouring. I really believe that because people are so sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of being asleep. Why would, why would the Lord transfigure before them? Why, why the transfiguration? Ask yourself that question. Why would this happen? Well, go back and look. What are, they, what, are, what, are they, what are Moses and Elijah, what are they talking to Jesus about? What are they talking with him about? Now, these, these disciples, Peter, James, and John, they see Jesus as he really is. They see him as he really is, I mean, bright and shining, the glory of the Lord, that his, not his earthly, his earth suit, his manifested glory, they see him, the glory of the Lord. Fully God, fully man, but they see him in his glory. Why would God do that? Why would the Father do that? Well, I think the first thing, clue is, is you look at what they're talking to Jesus about. They're talking about his crucifixion and resurrection. 
So what does that mean? Why would they be talking about it? I think it might be to encourage him. He said, does, does God need encouragement? Absolutely not. But the, the flesh does. It was a time of encouragement for Jesus. I don't think we really understand what it was like to divest himself of glory and walk into this cesspool. Oh, I know it's beautiful, and people say in Alaska we're like living in a screensaver. I, I mean, I agree. It's just like, ooh, amazing. But it's nothing compared to heaven. It's not even remotely close. It's, it's a shadow of it. It's, it's a picture of, of, wow, if God can do this, I wonder what heaven is like. It, but but we, can't, we can't understand it, not, not even remotely. And it's amazing that God would divest himself of glory and step out into time and space, out, out of eternity, into time and space, to walk the earth with the likes of us. You know, they say when they raise people from the dead, they're, they're so hopping mad. No, really, like you can go to, you say people from the dead? Yeah, people are still being raised. from. There's all kinds of testimonies. There's even some videos. And uh, some of the accounts I've read of people being raised from the dead in Africa, different places, when somebody comes back from the dead, they're so angry that they can't see straight and they want to, like, hit someone. How could you bring me back? (laughs) We want them to come back. But once they're there, now somebody that didn't go to heaven, I'm sure, is probably very grateful they're not smoked for all of eternity (laughs) with a swollen tongue, with a worm, Unquenchable fire. I'm pretty glad if somebody goes to, goes to hell that, that would be raised from the dead and brought back, and that would be the act of God's mercy and grace. But somebody that goes to heaven that comes back, they're, gonna be, they're not going to be happy about that. Yeah, unless, of course, the Lord sent it back. You can't come in right now. I've got work for you to do. And that happens, and they go back, and, and maybe they're not as mad. But the people, there's others that come back that, anyway... I think the, the Lord was encouraging his son, his only begotten of the Father. Above all the hate and the strife and the violence in Portland and every other city, above all the COVID-19, above all of that, there's a loving God who's in full control. Don't ever forget it. Comfort yourself with the fact that he's on the throne and he has defeated hell, death, and the grave. And encourage yourself with that reality. He's not nervous. And God reveals his wonder to these disciples. My, my, my. It was a time of revelation. So a time of encouragement for Jesus was a time of revelation for John and Peter. I want you to go to John chapter 1 and 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Everybody say that. They're the synoptic. What does that mean? They have, they're synonymous. They have commonality. But the book of John is not like anything of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're the four gospels, and they tell the story of Jesus. Some of them are repeated. Other things are not repeated. And John is very, very unique. And the way that he starts... This book of John, it's, it's, it's similar to like the book of Revelation. John chapter 1, in the beginning, it's just, just like Genesis. Uh, did I say Revelation? It, it's just like Genesis. It, it, it's, it's very similar. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. Wow. He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, says the King James. John 1 and 14, go there. The Word became flesh. See, we don't understand what he's saying because we're in this 21st century, and we read that and we're like, yeah, the Word became flesh, yeah. The word is logos. That, that word to the Greek, the word of the Greek means wisdom. But the word to the to a Hebrew understanding means power. So when he says the word became flesh, the, the logos became flesh, it's literally the wisdom of God, the power of God being put into a man. I mean, there's no way for us to fully comprehend what this is saying. The truth is, if you don't have a real clear picture of Jesus and his glory and his power, then you're going to stay in the slop that the enemy would love for you to stay in. But if you can behold the glory of the Lord, it will change you. It will transform you. You will never go back to your old life if, if you can behold him. If, if God can illuminate our hearts tonight in the brief moment that we have together, you will never be the same. The word became flesh dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. Verse 14, he's talking about the transfiguration. This is John referring to the transfiguration. We beheld his glory. It's not that we walked with Jesus for the 33 and a half years. Sure, it's that also. But you see from, from his writing the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's almost when John's writing this, it's almost like he's like, man, do you remember that? That was insane. And Peter mouthed off. What an idiot. He was always doing that. But that was amazing. It's like he's remembering the glory. It's like he's remembering being on the mountain. Oh, I just got a wave, you know, because I, for me, a wave of God's presence and power just to hit me for a moment because if I begin to really think about the encounters I've had with God, we won't be having church anymore. I'll start weeping. I'm out. Wally will have to take over until he starts remembering his stories and then it's over there. Somebody else will have to take over for that. Listen, I'm telling you, when you experience God's glory, and it's absolutely his intention, religion is a stench in the nostrils of God. He wants you to experience him and his glory and his power, his amazing love. And when you do, it changes you. Somebody said, Pastor, why are you like that? I've seen something. I've seen something of the Lord. I can't stop. I can't shut up. It's like fire burning in my bones. He changed me. He saved me. He delivered me. I've seen something of the glory. And though I know it's just a measure, though I know it's just a small fraction of what's to come, it's done something in me and I'll never be the same. I can't. I can't go back to dead pharisaical religion. I won't do it. I oh, can you come? To no. I, I try, I'm trying to teach here. The thing with teaching is you teaching and start stirring in you and then all of a sudden you end up preaching because you just explode. All right, shh, Pastor Carton's here. Everybody calm down. And so little John was remembering 
And you look at, go, go look at the whole rest of the book of John. He turned the water into wine and thus revealed his glory. Over and over he's talking about glory. Over and over he's talking about the, 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 the works of the fathers, miracles, revealing God's glory. God was identifying with us when he came to earth. Fully flesh, but fully God. He chose to identify with you. You know what the word says? That the nail prints in his hands will forever be there. And I wondered about that. I wondered about the fact that the nail prints in his feet, in his hands, or some say it was in his wrist. Why, 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 why are they still going to be there? Because, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's resurrected. He's in glory. Well, why, why? Nail prints on earth made, it, made an eternity, a mark for eternity for Jesus. Because it's forever saying that God identified with you. It's forever saying that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a constant, unending reminder. It'll, it'll never change. You would think that the Lord would just heal that, but that's not how that is. God intervened for you. God intervened for me. Still carries the wounds that were inflicted upon him that brought you peace. Still carries him. God loves us. Come on, say that. Say, say God loves us. And you see this in this Gospel of John. I mean, to go to the extreme, couldn't you find another way, God, to go to the extreme to come himself, become sin for us? And it's not only John that was impacted, but we see it in the writing of Peter. And I want you to go there. I want you to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Where are you going with this message? Here's where I'm going. I'm trying to reveal to you that Jesus is God, and he came in his power, and the glory of God affected the disciples so much so, much so that they wrote about it. And if you, could impact, if you could experience God's power and glory and have the scales that the God of this age has placed over your eyes, some of you are blinder than a bat. Oh, I know, probably just online. No one here in the congregation, amen. If God could lift our scales, now I'm not saying to have apprehended it, but I have beheld a measure that's changed me. How do you know? Because uh, I remember what the old guy was like, and so does my mother and some very few people, a few others. Praise God, you didn't want to meet him. I'm a, I'm a new creation. I'm not just doing this to like, because I just want to practice Christianity. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was bound. I was depressed. I came in with sorrow and I left with joy. He washed me. He cleansed me. He made me new. He, written, he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm not the same man. And I know many of you. Thank God you got saved. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. 
listen to this. For we did not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, quote, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That is a quote from the Mount of Transfiguration. That's a quote for when he was there and he saw Moses and he saw Elijah and he mouthed off and he had this cute idea. I mean, he was just freaked out. I did that with, uh, um, with, <laughs> with this major man of God a number of years ago. It was Franklin Graham, actually. But I think it was the first time I met Franklin Graham. And I was, I mean, it's like Billy Graham's son. I'm like, I'm just, it's Franklin Graham. I mean, it's the first time I met him. And I forced my way up to that. It was at the governor's prayer breakfast. And I forced my way up there, and I got a little closer, and I jockeyed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, I'm, I'm pulling Karen. She's like, relax. I'm like, hey, I'm relaxed. And I'm like, you know, I'm pulling Karen. She's like, oh. And, I, and finally, like, somebody hesitates, and boom, I jump in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like meeting somebody seriously. I mean, it's like, it's, dude, it's Franklin Graham. Okay, he's just one of my heroes. And, and the Graham family. And so I pushed myself on the way, and I'll never forget, he finishes talking, and he looks up at me, like, I let me know what I said. I said, hi, I'm going to stand up for pastor. What's up? He's like, hmm. <laughs> And uh, this is my wife. And then I, I, my brother went to, went to school with his brother at Stony Brook. Did you know that? My brother John went to school with one of the Graham's sons in, at a school called Stony Brook in Stony Brook, Long Island. And it was a, it was a, it was a boarding school and a, and a day school, private school. And so I said, oh, you know, my brother is at Stony Brook. Can you go to Stony Brook with your brother? He's like, it's kind of like. <laughs> and I think it was kind of like that. Does it, did anybody else ever do that? Peter, Peter was so marked by what he saw. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't tell Franklin Graham that that was me, right? Just forget about it. We didn't follow cunning, dis dis devised fables. There are people that devise fables. There's people that talk about heaven that don't know anything about it. There's people that say they got, they, 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 they got you know, witnessed to by an angel, and they didn't. They fabricated it to write a book. There's, there's a, there is a quality about someone who's experienced God's power and presence. There's a humility and a brokenness about them, a fear and awe mixed with reverence. That's why I get a little concerned sometimes when people, and it's popular in some circles, but, you know, oh, yeah, when I wake up, I play with angels, and I'm playing with angels, and then we just, like, throw the ball, and we're, like, bang, we're playing with angels. And I'm just thinking to myself, those aren't the kind that ever came to visit me. And I don't see that kind in Scripture either. You played ball with an angel. Yeah, we just played, you know, because Father's love, and it's just loving. It's like,
Peter's defining moment, his defining moment was the transfiguration. Let me ask you this. When was yours? When was your defining moment? Some of you are about to have one. When was your defining moment? Do you remember, do you remember when you pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Again, to quote my dear friend, if you can't remember that, you probably haven't done that. But it's more than just receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's, it's experiencing his power. It's experiencing his glory, his presence, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but so much more. Don't, don't reduce it to some doctrine because you pray in tongues, you've experienced the glory. I got news for you. I don't think so. A measure of it, perhaps. But there's so much more. Come on, raise your hands to heaven. Oh, God. Release defining moments for people here tonight, those online. In the name of Jesus. Back to 1 Peter 1. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Verse 18. And we heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Wow. You'd think that Peter would talk about the resurrection. Now, think about, well, why did, he, why did he say this? First of all, he's talking to the church there and correcting some things about the second coming. He's, he's, he's talking about the Lord's going to come back and the way that he left. Why, why wouldn't Peter talk about when he saw him, you know, after the resurrection? That's not what he talks about. He talks about when he saw him on the mountain in glory. That had more of an impact than seeing the crucified, resurrected Lord. I mean, that's, that to me is, that's significant. It talks about the transfiguration. This whole text is a message of hope. That because of who Jesus is, we can be changed. I said, because who Jesus is, we can be changed. And if you look at every man and every woman of God throughout Scripture and throughout history, anybody that ever met God, anybody that ever really met him, I don't talk about praying a, a simple sinner's prayer that we call it, and it's powerful and it's the greatest miracle of all to be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. That's the most powerful thing for sure. I would agree. But if that was supposed to be it, you would drop dead the second you prayed it, and you'd go straight and you'd be seeing Moses and Jesus and Elijah and everybody all yourself. You'd be dead. So the fact that you and I are still here must mean that there's something more. He leaves us here to do what? To leave the 99 to save the one. He leaves us here to be an expression of his power and his glory, to be a people that transformed. You know, my father, he's, uh, he's was an attorney for 51 or 52 years. And he was a Catholic. If you'd ask him if he believes in Jesus, he'll tell you yes. And I've pressed that issue many, many times. And... I remember he became a witness for the Lord. Most Catholics don't witness for Jesus. There are some, I understand that, but many are just uh, religious and, and traditional, and I'm certainly not mocking that. I'm just saying that there's something more than being traditional and being religious, and thank God for the Catholics, for they preserved the Word of God, which you and I are reading tonight, for without St. Jerome, uh, we wouldn't have what we have right now. So there's a wonderful things that are happening there, and the Pope could very well be the Antichrist too. So I'm not quite sure how that's all going to work out. And uh, the worship of, uh, some of you were like, oh, I'm going to be endorsing the Catholics. Yeah, and then worship of Mary is really jacked up. You're supposed to worship nobody but Jesus. And so there's some issues. Let's have a praise break all across this place. Amen. 
I didn't say that he was the Antichrist. I'm just saying, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, no one knows. And uh, anyway, it's a little scary, some of the stuff they're endorsing right now. And uh, anyway, my father is an attorney, and he had somebody come who had a broken life, and he was hired to help him and the family. And he couldn't get, he couldn't get free from his brokenness. And he had spent all kinds of money and psychotherapy and all kinds of stuff that he did. And the family had endless money to help this young man now in his 30s, as I remember. And he couldn't, he couldn't get any help. He, it's only like he grew worse. So he had him in his office sitting there at his desk. And he said, uh, he said listen, why don't you try Jesus? It works for my son. <laughs> Why don't you try Jesus? It worked for my son. Talking about me. The truth is, it's worked for all of his sons now. Every one of my brothers is saved. Come on, somebody, say hallelujah. And it will work for you. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. The blood of Jesus will break every chain. The power of God, the power, the glory of God will shatter to pieces every curse. He'll release his glory upon you and transform you. Peter was transformed. John was transformed. Anybody that ever comes in contact with the king of glory is changed. That's why it's so filled with people on a Wednesday night because people are being changed. People are being transformed. Eyes are being opened and people are being, you know, transformed into the power of God by the power of God transformed. Second Peter 1 and 3. See, I don't know where you've come from. I don't know who's going to listen to this at a later date. But if you can behold the glory of the Lord, if you can behold the glory of the Lord, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that's certainly an aspect of the glory. But there's more. There's not more to get saved and have your sins forgiven. That's enough to receive Him. Pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity, the chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him. To receive Him, to believe on Him. He gave them the right to become children of God, the right exousia, the authority. He gave you authority. You can't become a child of God without the authority of God, and the only way that you can have that authority is by receiving his gift of salvation as one and only begotten of the Father, Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 1 and 3, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory, and virtue by which we been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers in the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Because what the Lord has done is he's, he's transforming us. You, you will become what you behold. Be careful, little children, what you see. What you gaze at 
you will become. And when I say gaze, I don't just mean your natural eyes. I mean with your heart, the eyes of your heart, what you, what you meditate on, what you think about. Listen, some of you watch so much violence on TV and you wonder why you can't experience God's healing power flowing through you to your neighbor. Or you can't experience God's love. You're, you're marking yourself. Well, it doesn't really affect me all that much. Okay, all that much. What does that mean, actually? Some of you pump rhythms and sounds into your ears that are demonic. Some of you, some of you listen to so much garbage. I mean, listen, if you watch the news, if you watch CNN, you're just going to get a spirit of fear. Could we all be wearing masks right now and hiding under a coffee table praying for the Lord to come back if I just watch that all the time? And it's not just CNN, Fox News, all of it. I mean, what do you expect to come from the world? Hell News Network, HNN, has reported that demons are leaving Alaska at an unprecedented rate. Because there's a people who've beheld the glory of the Lord, that there's a people, there's a people who've gotten on fire, who've been transformed. There's no devil in hell that can stop you. There's no coronavirus. Come on, I just believe that my God's bigger than coronavirus. We're not, we're not going to be stupid. We're going to be wise. And listen, if you're not feeling good, you need to get healed. If you're concerned, stay home. If someone had chicken pox, I know they have chicken pox parties. Maybe we're going to start having corona, coronavirus parties. I mean, like, that's not even funny. It's not funny because people have died and we had a close family friend that, that just died yesterday. Yesterday. And, and there was no, they said that there was nothing wrong. He was an elderly man, but there was nothing wrong with him. Perfectly healthy. Got coronavirus. Gone within a week. Well, that's not true. I don't believe that. Oh, shut up. But at the same time, the devil's trying to just push this thing and control our nation and mess up the elections and do whatever else he can. He's no, one of the things that, you know, one of the ways the devil works is he uses some truth and he matches it with demonic power. Then he releases it to the masses. And I'm convinced that there's all kinds of nonsense going on. Half the bitch we don't even know, but I know this. The one who was transformed on the mountain has transformed me and he didn't bring me this far to let me drown and I'm going to contend, I'm going to believe. And listen, please, please, if you're concerned, you go with your convictions, all right? And you, you can go in the parking lot and we don't think anything less of you. You Listen, obey your convictions. Don't let anybody press you to do something that you think that they want you to do. Did you get that? You violate your convictions. I don't care what it is, you're in trouble. Don't violate your conscience. I'm not violating my conscience for anybody. That's why I'm staying open in the church. I'm staying open. And if more laws and rules come down, well, well, we'll just cross those bridges when they come. I used to say, we're never going to close again. And I just felt like the Lord said, you'll do exactly what I told you. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen, Lord. It's your church. Just tell me what you want me to do. That's absolutely. Amen. 
Romans 8.18, I consider that our present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Turn to 1 John 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. As he is, so we are in the world. So answer this question. How is he right now? Where is Jesus right now? He's in my heart. Okay, great. How is Jesus right now? Is he is he lying on a gurney with COVID-19? The answer is no. He's seated at the right hand of majesty. He's in glory. As he is, so we are in this world. God has given us his word, given us his power, allowed us to be partakers of his divine nature so that we could walk in the power and the presence and the glory of the Lord. I'm not saying the fullness of his glory. That's what he says here. But that what we will become was yet to be seen. That will come. Not the fullness of it. But I'm going to tell you, we walk far beneath. Far beneath what's available. I don't want to do that. How about you? I want the eyes of my heart to be illuminated. I want to experience you, your power. I yearn for you. long for you like a dry and a weary land where there's no water open my eyes Lord open my eyes Lord open our eyes when you see him when you experience him you'll never go back like a dog to the vomit we can all be transformed. There are no hopeless cases. Only people that grow hopeless. You can be changed. I'm going to say it again. You can be changed. Your family can change. Your marriage can change. Your kids can change. Your circumstances are what the Bible calls temporal subject to change. That's what that means. Temple means, well, that can change then. Everybody say this can change. You can change. We've got to live for his glory. Come on, say that. I'm going to live for, going to live for his glory. psalmist said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Sometimes I'm so distracted. There's a call from heaven I hear over my life. Tonight, I heard it subtly all day. The Lord's saying, hey, son, 
up higher. That just I could pack my every day with unending meetings, unending training, unending preaching. I can pack my days. Come on, could you pack your days with them? I mean, it's just like, I mean, we got the garage to do. I got the fish to put up. I got honey to process. Gotta, come on, some of you got to get your wood. You got to get the, okay, winter's coming, Jack. Oh, you guys obviously haven't lived in Alaska too long. Winter cometh like a hammer. You better put your stuff up. Get your, your I got to mow the lawn. Oh, my God. There's a list. Pastor Cameron has this massive list. Does it need to get done? Yes. Yes. Yes, there are things that need to get done. But many times what I've found is I don't come away up to the mountain. And then I find myself getting, getting agitated or irritated. I find myself easily, more easily tipped to the flesh. So I'm, please don't hear me what I'm, I'm not, hopefully you're not hearing what I'm not saying. I'm telling you, if you will set aside time to go up the mountain, put your blasted phone down. Blasted is not a curse, Pastor Karen. Okay. Somebody said, I only use biblical curses. The curses that are in the Bible, those are the ones I use. Like, anyway. What is it that's robbing you from your transformation? Oh, it just got real. Well, what is it that's robbing you? What is it that's holding you back from really encountering him? Your little pet sin? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking up. Oh, I'm looking at the camera. What little pet sin do you have? What thing you just, oh, you know, the Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he knows it's dark and black and deceitfully wicked. No, 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 the, the Lord knows, you know. Listen, if you would take some time You've been given the blood of Jesus. You've been given access to the throne. But so many of us, so many don't enter on in to receive all that he has. They don't. And so we come to church and maybe have a little, you know, grow a little bit in the knowledge of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm not mocking that. I'm just saying take that, apply it to your life, move forward. There's another level. The Lord says, my beloved daughter, I'm opening up a door for you in your schedule set the time put everything away turn everything off and out of that time I will show you very clearly the directives I visited you when you were a young girl That's where that call to be a doctor came from. It was a visit from the Lord. It's like an angel came, just tapped you, you knew. And no one on this earth can take that from you because I gave it to you, says the Lord. But it's time now to reevaluate. And I'm gonna strengthen you with might on the inside. And I'm gonna release incredible detailed plans to you. I'm going to give you dreams. They're going to begin to come together perfectly fit, fitly joined together like, like the beauty of them. The hand is the one of the most amazing 
It's actually the word in Ephesians, kartotismos, fitly joined together. All these, they're special hand surgeons. God's going to do it like that. Perfectly put together. He's perfectly putting it all together. Worry, go. Worry, I command you, loose your hold. presence of the Lord. You need healing in your body too, and he's doing that right now. Down your neck, down your spine. Holy Spirit, come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Take it home. Pull it to yourself and apply it. History books are waiting to be written about a people who would believe God, about a people who would grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray. There's transformation for you and your family. It's true. It's not a far off, but it's as near as the words in your mouth. Push yourself away from the things of time and tradition. Push yourself away from the things that bind and hinder and distract and set time for the mountain and I will reveal my glory to you and I will change you. The Lord says I'm releasing defining moments for those who've never had them and I'm bringing fresh encounters to those who have there is a release of gathering angels that are going across these United States. And I'm summoning my sons and my daughters. I am calling them from afar to declare, to preach, to pray, to demonstrate my love out of a transformed life and not out of some religious duty or obligation. And out of saturation and intimacy will flow words that bring life power, destiny, healing, blessing. I'm going to silence the mouth of the accuser. And I am going to break the teeth of the wicked. And I will perform my good pleasure, says the Lord. To every nation, in every tribe, and every tongue and kindred. The glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, carried upon men and women's shoulders. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I will confine the wisdom of the wise use the foolish things to do it. My word will run swiftly through you to bring change, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to bring provision. My word is a lamp unto your feet and a light upon your path. My word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
time. Now is the hour. Today is the day.
With every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, I've gone a little bit long, but sometimes it takes a little bit to deposit something. You be sure you're a good steward over that which I've just taught you. Take the blood and go up the mountain and experience his power like you never have before. If you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to recommit to him because you drifted, you're, you're not where you need to be with God and you know it. You give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment to him online in the parking lot on 1610 a.m. all across this great congregation. If that's you, you want to get right with Jesus first time or recommit. Would you raise your hand as an acknowledgement? Put your hand up if that's you right now. Won't you do it high so I can see that hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Online, pray this, won't you? We'll all pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place, to rise again for me from the grave. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. We pray for you. Holy Spirit, touch, fill these. If you've been through some trauma and you need healing, step out from where you are and I'll pray for you. Just come all the way up front on this side right here. You need healing. Car accident, relational trauma. I don't know what it might be. Whatever it is, just come fill this side in here. And it's, it's 12 minutes after 9. If you need to slip out, I understand. But I'm going to stay flowing in the Holy Ghost here a little bit. Just come make one line. Come all the way up to the stairs.
going to carry you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. The unique way in which you see things and even communicate is going to be a powerful weapon in the hands of God to break down dividing walls and the hardest of hearts. I've put within you a tender, sensitive spirit which the enemy has tried to abuse at times but I've put it in so that you would be sensitive and aware of my presence and my power. There's musical abilities that are within you, and I'm gonna unlock some things for you, says the Lord. So receive the blessing of God tonight, and all trauma I command to go in the name. Go. Anything you ask, 
sing that healing thing again. Healing is at the gate for so many. I'm putting my words in your mouth. Not what you have been through. I'm going to give you like a a blueprint. Maybe it's more like a manuscript. I see God giving you keys to help others. It's part of the redemptive plan that I have for you. I'm going to make you even like Jeremiah, who is a weeping prophet. But your tears will not be for your own heart, for I've made it whole. And the sting and the pain and the residue of the last seasons will be but a faint memory but a memory nonetheless to teach and to learn principles on how to bring freedom to those who are so hurting and with the tears that you weep in your intercession. There'll be a release of God's power in and through you and your husband, your family, to heal families. And I have a picture, a picture that in heaven, there's no more tears in heaven. And He's captured every single teardrop that you've cried. So the residue of a past season lifts and the burden for souls in the kingdom increases 
now. Right. Marker. your hands to heaven all across this place. It's 927, and that which you were going to watch on Netflix is still there. Come on, God is good. Release a wave of your healing power now for those online. Come on, you're online, you're connected with us now or in a future day. Lift your hands, YouTube, Facebook. In the name of Jesus on Spotify, I break the hold of trauma. I close the door of trauma. Come on now, forgive those who were perhaps responsible. Forgive them. Forgive yourself for whatever involvement there. And don't hold charge against God. It's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let it all go. Put it under the blood. Be healed. We shut the door. And we pray now. And send out the invitation to come up the mountain to behold the glory of the Lord, to be transformed, to be changed, and to change a nation, to change the nations. Thank you. We give you praise. Now bless your people and cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. So glad you came tonight. We love you so much. Don't forget the barbecue. Baptism. If you haven't followed the Lord in the command to be baptized, I would encourage you strongly to register tonight. We'll be baptizing people in Lake Wasilla. It's going to be lots of fun. Going to barbecue, bring a main dish, something to grill. And there'll be people there early from probably about six or so. Baptism class will be at six. You can come to that. And uh, I'll be baptizing with Pastor Gill, who just got notified right now. And, uh, bring something appropriate to uh, to change, to be baptized in, you know, and um, something to change into. We'll have changing tents out there. It's going to be amazing. Revival continues Friday night at Lake, uh, Lake Wasilla right there. We love you so much. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.